Thank you. 
take me as you find me, all my fears and failures, fill my life again, I give my life to follow, everything I believe in, now I
seeking the Father's plan. You're sending a sound, light in this broken land. All authority, every victory is yours. thank you that in Christ you have overcome. And we have gathered here today to worship you, to honor you, to give all of ourselves to you. And we pray that it will be pleasing in your sight. Thank you for being with us in our worship this morning. We pray this through Christ Jesus. Amen. Share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Morning. Hi, Dave. Nice to see you.
our worship service today. We're glad that you're here. And uh, just a few things to, to highlight. We are getting together the last parts of the uh, recipe book. We, if, you have, if you want to submit any more recipes, they need to be due by noon tomorrow. And then we'll be getting those together. You see a number of prayer concerns in the bulletin. Uh, we especially want to uh, pray for uh, Carlton Fisher and his family at the death of his father earlier this uh, week, actually last weekend, and also for Pastor Kevin, who is having complications from a kidney stone and uh, has been to the emergency room a few times in his home, and we want to, to uh, be praying for him uh, during this difficult time. Uh, we are um, today beginning our three-week prayer vigil, and uh, if you haven't yet signed up, we want to encourage you to do that. Uh, there are um, a number of things in the bulletin about that as we get ready. Uh, we want to, we've had a little question, we have a new calendar this year, it looks different, it operates a little differently. We've had some people calling about not understanding it, so we thought we'd take a moment and show you just sort of how that works. We'll get that on the screen and the, go to the website and click on that picture. And hopefully, yeah, then pick the day you want. And then the drop down menu there shows you all the days. And the only ones that you can sign up for are the ones that end up being highlighted. And if they're blacked out, then that means that they're already taken. Okay, then you just fill in your information and you're done. So um, it's, it's really simple, it's just different. So uh, if you aren't sure about what to do with that, you can sign up this morning before you leave church in the upper foyer, the lower foyer, the Christian Education Building. There's still a number of times left this week. In the middle of this week, we'll open up next week. Uh, but we'd love to fill up this week first uh, before we move on into the next week. If you uh, aren't quite sure, you can't remember your time, or uh, you have not quite sure, just call the church office or send us an email, and we can uh, look that up for you and let you know about that. And we're, we're kicking off the, the prayer vigil as we've done in the past with a gathering here. Uh, we're an hour, we're going to be doing this an hour earlier this year than we've done in the past, so the first prayer time is at 5 today. The gathering tonight will be at 4.30 here in the sanctuary. And you see information about that. We'll be coming together. We'll be singing, reading some scripture. We will be uh, lighting candles as we've done the last few years. And uh, that will take place here and then send off the first person to pray at 5 o'clock. We also are doing something new in preparation for the kickoff event, and that is a prayer walk. And you may not be familiar with the prayer walk. Some of you may have experienced this a number of times. But the prayer walk is simply an opportunity to canvas areas of Houghton as well as the surrounding communities and just to pray. And we're doing that very unobtrusively but just wanting to uh, cover uh, where we work, where we live, uh, places where we uh, connect with people. We just want to cover that with prayer. And so you can still sign up this morning, and there are a variety of places where people are meeting. If you don't sign up, feel free to show up anyway and just be a part of the group that prays. And we'll be doing that starting at 4 o'clock. Each of the groups will meet in their places, come to the church around 4.20, 4.30 or so, and uh, we'll all then come together for the kickoff service. And you don't have to go to be a part of the prayer walk to come to the service. It's just one thing you can do in addition to the service. So we hope you will join us tonight. There's always been exciting times of coming together and of just uniting our hearts as we prepare for this three weeks of, of praying together. Uh, it's always good to hear about other people's experiences. And so uh, Don Little is going to share a little bit this morning about his experience with the prayer vigil over the last few years. Good morning. I've been a Christian since I was a child. 
and have had regular, actually often daily, patterns of prayer and devotion for most of the last 40 years. And I've also done focused and intensive study over the past dozen years of how we as Christians can grow deeper with God, both corporately and individually. And yet, uh, coming out of a four-day silent retreat last summer, I've had a growing desire to grow deeper in my love of God and in my awareness of His love. Uh, Last November, during the vigil, after spending time in the prayer room the first two weekends, I decided to try... It wasn't seemed to be too packed out, so I decided to try um, coming every morning to have my own quiet time here instead of where I normally have it at home. And um, so the last week of the vigil, I spent an hour every morning here in the prayer chapel trying to encounter God, journaling, and just seeking closeness to God. And what did I experience? Were my growing longings satisfied? Well... No, and yes. (laughs) Here is part of what I wrote. I just went this morning and looked through my journal entries from last year. Here's a couple things I wrote in my journal at the end of the time. I wrote them to God. You are increasing my longing for more intimacy. You are reminding me how much my entire life has been an ongoing experience of your grace and spirit flowing through me. I've known much grace and joy But, and, I long for far, far more experience of your love and uh, presence. And then this, I wrote to God, I'm becoming more convinced that you do want intimacy with me. I've struggled with that. Does he really want that? I feel like the idea that my longing for intimacy is also his longing for intimacy with me. And my longings to go deeper have grown. You're tugging my heart in your direction more. During the last vigil uh, last year, I was using this classic book of reflections entitled Disciplines for the Inner Life. And one excerpt from Henry Nouwen uh, really resonated with my experience. I read it last vigil, and it was very relevant to my attempt to spend an hour with God here. And I'm just going to read that excerpt. It's a little long, but I think it really expresses my own experience, and I suspect I'm not alone. He speaks of a time in which he was going every day to a chapel to pray for an hour. So I thought, well, I'm going every day to a prayer room to pray for an hour. And this is what he says. My hour in Carmelite Chapel is more important than I can fully know myself. It's not an hour of deep prayer nor a time of which I experience a special closeness to God. It's not a period of serious attentiveness to the divine mysteries. I wish it were. On the contrary, it's full of distractions, inner restlessness, sleepiness, confusion, boredom. It seldom, if ever, pleases my senses. But the simple fact of being for one hour in the presence of the Lord and of showing him all that I think, feel, sense, and experience without trying to hide anything, must please him. Somehow, somewhere, I know that he loves me, even though I do not feel that love as I can feel a human embrace, even though I do not hear a voice as I hear human words of consolation, even though I do not see a smile as I see a human's face. Still, the Lord speaks to me, looks at me, embraces me there, 
where I am still unable to notice it. The only way I become more, I become aware of his presence is in that remarkable desire to return to that quiet place, that quiet chapel, and be there without any real satisfaction. Yes, I notice, maybe only retrospectively, that my days and weeks are different days and weeks when they are held together by these regular useless times. God is greater than my senses, greater than my thoughts, greater than my heart. I do believe that he touches me in places that are unknown even to myself. I seldom can point directly to these places. But when I feel this inner pull to return again to that hidden hour of prayer, I realize that something is happening that is so deep that it becomes like the riverbed through which the waters can safely flow and find their way to the open sea. Let's just leave you with one other excerpt from the, next, the other side of the page that I read last year that really resonated. This is from um, Annie Dillard, and she makes reference somehow in the previous, before the excerpt, to comparing our trying to see the stars with trying to encounter God. And this is what she says. God needs nothing, asks nothing, and demands nothing. Like the stars... It's a life with God which demands these things. Experience has taught the human race that if knowledge of God is the end, then habits of life are not the means but the condition in which the means operate. You do not have to do these things, not at all. God does not, I regret to report, give a hoot. You don't have to do these things unless you want to know God. They work on you, not on him. You don't have to sit outside in the dark. If, however, you want to look at the stars, you'll find that darkness is necessary. But the stars neither require nor demand it. I'm looking forward to this year's prayer vigil, and I invite others to come and seek God with your longings. Thank you. this time, we'd like to invite the ushers forward to assist us with our tithes and offerings. If my heart is overwhelmed, and I cannot hear your voice I'll hold on to what is true Though I cannot see If the storms of life they come And the road ahead gets steep I will lift these hands in faith I will believe I'll remind myself of all that you've done and the life I have because of your son. Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. And I am yours. I am forever yours. Mountain high or valley low, I sing out and remind my soul that I am yours. Oh
sing with us. When my heart is filled with hope and every promise comes my way, when I feel your hands of grace rest upon me, staying desperate for you, God, staying humbled at your feet, I will lift these hands and pray. Of all that you've done And the life I have Because of your son Love came down and rescued me Love came down and set me free And I am yours I am forever yours Mountain pray we are reminded that of God's grace to us and that we are his and as his children he calls us to to pour out our hearts to him as we do that together this morning if you'd like to come and offer your prayers at the altar rail please join me Father, we thank you for your loving grace in our lives, in this world, in this place. We thank you for the opportunity of quiet reflection and to remember that we are yours. This morning, Father, we come with... uh, Numerous burdens in our minds and our hearts. And we lay them out before you. We pray for all who are struggling with illness, disease and pain and the various ways in which it affects us. And we ask for healing. We pray for all who are struggling with grief and loss in the various forms in which it invades our lives. And we pray for comfort. 
We think about the uncertainties of life that lie before us and ask for courage to keep walking forward as you lead us. We think about the disappointments, those things that we counted on and have not come through. And we ask for your grace to trust you when the disappointments overwhelm us. And we think about the hurts and the pains often that come in relationship. And we ask for a spirit of forgiveness, a spirit of grace, and a spirit of healing. Father, we pray that you'd help us to see each other as people to be loved instead of people with whom we might feel a need to compete. Teach us the way of humility, the way of Christ. And Father, help us to continually turn to you and to find in you strength and grace and mercy and forgiveness and love. Father, we pray that as we embark on this prayer vigil, that it will be transformational for us as individuals and for us as a community of believers. Help us, Father, to to take steps of faith, to participate and to, to spend this time with you and to let you speak into our lives, to cleanse and to heal and to change. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers. We offer them through Christ, the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The scripture reading for this morning is the third epistle of John. The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and all that may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. 
We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that they may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God, and anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. And we also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by my name. Please stand and join us as we sing together. And the children ages 2 to 5 may be dismissed for Children's Church and ages 6 to 8 for Junior Church. Your kindness leads us to repentance. Your goodness draws us to your side. Your mercy calls us to be like you. Your favor is our
Father, we thank you that you are good, that your mercy endures forever, and we pray that that we will understand more of your goodness this morning. And we ask this through Christ. Amen. I don't think any of us would argue with the fact that we live in a disposable culture. I was thinking this week of the various things that we, we often use that are disposable. Of course, you think of disposable cups and plates and tableware and those kinds of things, but... You know, we wear disposable contacts. Uh, we, you, we use disposable phones. Uh, we, we talk about uh, disposable income. Uh, even this conversation, part of the conversation is disposable workers. Uh, people you use for a while and then you don't use them anymore. There's all kinds of things that we use that are disposable. And, and it's helpful to us in many ways. And we're trying to find ways in which we are limiting some of the things that are harmful to the environment that are disposable. But quite frankly, a lot of what we do and use and how we live has a ring of disposability to it. And it's no wonder then that that creeps into uh, the way that we think about relationships. You know, we, we often think of relationships as short-term. And, you know, we are, we are often being uprooted from where we were raised or where we once lived. And, and we, we move other places and friendships sort of wax and wane and they ebb and flow. And, and a lot of it has to do with how we treat each other. In this mindset we have of sort of disposable relationships, if someone offends us, we end it. If someone turns on us, we turn on them. If someone hurts us, we hurt them. And, and it seems as though our natural inclination is 
to stop relationships, to think of them as disposable rather than trying to figure it out and work through it. But we aren't alone in that. We may live in a culture that thinks about stuff that's disposable far more than other cultures. But this idea of relationship that has a a mindset of being short-term has been going on for centuries. And that's why when Paul writes to the church at Galatia and he says, people who are filled with the Spirit, people who walk in the Spirit, people who live in the Spirit, exude these kinds of characteristics, this fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. When we think about faithfulness, we think about words like being trustworthy, being loyal, committed, keeping our word, making promises that we intend to keep. And, and in our culture, there, there is, even though there's all this sense of things being disposable and even our relationships feeling that way sometimes, our culture does value people who are faithful. We just aren't very good at it. And as we've talked about all of the fruit of the Spirit, in one sense, there is, all of these characteristics we see in the greater culture. And, and in one way or another, they are valued by the greater culture. But when Paul talks about the, the, the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit as being signs of the Spirit in our lives, he has to mean something deeper than the rest of the world thinks. And when we talk about faithfulness, I think it comes back to what we keep seeing over and over and over again, that faithfulness is rooted in a spirit of self-giving, of sacrifice, of being willing to pay a price and to even risk as we think about how we relate to each other. Because if we're really going to be faithful to one another, it's going to cost us something. It's going to mean keeping our word even when They don't. It's going to mean being loyal even when people turn on us and hurt us. It's going to mean being trustworthy even when it challenges us and it means that we get put in places that are painful for us. That's the risk of being faithful. That's one of the reasons, and this whole thing about being connected to each other, we realize that if we are going to be the people God wants us to be, it's going to have to involve relationships. And means we have to stick together in relationships, even when there are so many things that might be tempting to tear us apart. We stick with it. We're faithful. That's why the minute I started thinking about faithfulness, the image of bananas came to my mind. You know, we've been thinking about all the literal fruit that we're connecting with through the Spirit. And for me, it was bananas because they're connected to each other. You know, and you go to the store and you see them in bunches. We talk about, I'd like a bunch of bananas. And, you know, many of you know that on Sunday mornings, I eat, often eat a banana in between services, just get a little bit of energy. And, and when I go to the store... Uh, sometimes Cindy will pick those up for me. Sometimes we go together, but I'll go to the store and, and I usually only need a couple of bananas and rarely are there just two bananas there. There's usually a bunch of five or six and I feel bad ripping those two bananas off of that bunch. It makes me feel guilty. And I know they're by, selling them by the pound, so it's not like I'm you know cheating or anything. It just feels weird and that sound even of ripping those two bananas off of the bunch. I don't like that. 
And that imagery is just so clear in my mind when I think about this idea of faithfulness as the people of God that to each other, it hurts us to be torn apart from each other. And we will do whatever we can to stick together and remain faithful, especially when it costs us something. That's hard to do. What does it look like then to, to stick together, to be faithful? There are a lot of things that were bouncing around in my mind as I thought through that. But a few things I think are significant. And one of them is that we, we speak the truth in love to each other. I think that's one of the dynamics of being faithful to each other. We care enough about each other. We sense our connectedness enough to each other that we will speak the truth in love to each other. So when we see someone heading down a path of danger, we try to stop them. When we see someone heading down a path of self-destruction, we step in. And there's great risk involved in doing that. Because you can reach out to help them and get your hand cut off. You can say something and they'll turn on you. And I suspect if anyone has spoken the truth and love to us, we have probably reacted in some way negatively to them. Because we know we're going the wrong way. We know we're making bad decisions. And when we know that and someone talks to us about it, our most natural human response is to get defensive. And when people are trying to help us, we turn on them. I've done it. I suspect you've done it. But I also know the times when people have done that in, to me and with me and for me. I look back at those times and they are some of the most monumental moments in my life. When people who cared enough about me, who were faithful to me, stepped into my life and said, what about this? And I didn't like it at the time. I responded defensively at the time. I probably argued with them at the time. But once I understood what they were saying and the spirit in which they were saying it, I knew they were right. And there are many places I can point to in my life where instead of me going this way, I went this way. Because that person was faithful enough to speak into my life. Now, hear me, speaking the truth in love. Very, very important. Because sometimes we speak the truth out of anger. Sometimes we speak the truth out of arrogance. This is a call to speak the truth in love. And and as to be faithful to one another and we feel this need to speak the truth, we do it in a spirit of fear and trembling and as much humility as we can and prayer And because we care about one another. Not because we want to be right. Not because we want to prove a point. Not because we have a chance to get back at someone. Not because we give them the impression we're better than them. But simply because we are trying to be faithful in love. And that's what we see in 3 John. That's why we read that passage. We don't read 3 John very often. But in this passage he said, he talks about faithfulness and being faithful to each other and about loving each other and speaking truth in a spirit of love. And there are problems going on in the church to whom John is writing and there's a need to speak the truth 
in love as an act of faithfulness. But I think also there is, there is this sense of being faithful to each other in how we, we help each other take steps of boldness in our walk with God. Sometimes we, we come up against challenges and we're not sure how to respond to them. And something in our spirit, we want to be courageous, we want to, we want to do something bold for God, we want to step out in faith, but we're held back. And in those moments, we, we need other people to help walk through that with us. To nudge us, to help us, sometimes to be the people who take the bold steps when we can't. And this is where the, the word that Paul uses here, it can really be translated faith or faithfulness. And there are some translations that use the word faith and, and see this as something between us and God. I don't think that matches all the rest of the characteristics because they all are relational between human beings. And I think this is as well. But it also reminds us that whatever we have with each other is always rooted in what we have with God. What came to my mind as I was thinking about this was Matthew, uh, was the Gospels when people, people often come to Jesus for him to heal them. And, and he says, your faith has healed you. It's an astounding thing for him to say. It's your faith, your faithfulness to come and ask something bold that has healed you. And it's great when we do that for ourselves. But in Matthew 9, we have the story of a guy who was paralyzed. He's on a mat and they're trying to get him to Jesus in the house. And they can't get through. There's so many people. So these four guys pick up, go up on the roof and they start tearing apart the roof. I don't know what the people down below were thinking. The stuff started falling on their heads. I'm not exactly sure what roofs were made of in those days. But something had to be falling down on them. And they look up and all of a sudden they can see the sky. And they make a hole big enough and they lower the guy down on this mat and somehow they get down too. I don't know if they rappel down on ropes or if they sneak their way through the crowd, but they get there. And what astounds me about that is that Jesus says, it says to us, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man on the mat, your sins are forgiven you, be healed. I think that's an act of faithfulness on their part. And what a risk. I mean, all they had to do to get him to Jesus, this bold act of faith, to get him to Jesus, not knowing whether anything was going to change or not, but they took steps that this man couldn't take. I think often that will involve our prayers for each other. That we make a commitment to pray for one another and to pray boldly for each other. It's one thing to pray by ourselves bold prayers and no one else hears them. It's something else to pray for other people out loud bold prayers. And most of the time when we offer those prayers, we always add a disclaimer on the end just to protect ourselves. And I think... Being faithful to one another is just taking steps of faithfulness and of courage and of boldness and of risk. And to pray courageously for each other. And the result of what happens is not up to us, it's up to God. 
We can't do anything about what happens. We can just be people who help others take bold steps of faith and to be faithful in that. And that can be costly. A number of years ago, I read about about a young man who was at a a big prayer event and people were sharing and this this man got up and he was... um, he was a big guy. He had long, blonde, matted hair and huge biceps and forearms. You could tell he was a weightlifter. And he got up and, and he said, I, I want to tell you about my sister. She's 26 years old. She has anorexia and she weighs 70 pounds. And she has developed arthritis so she can hardly move her hands. And now it looks like she's developed diabetes. She's already, she's already begun menopause. And everything about her life has been taken away from her. Her health, her dignity, her life. I said, I want to confess something to you. I don't pray for her. So she's not a Christian. She doesn't really know anything about God. And I don't pray for her. I said, is it because I don't care about her? No, I care deeply for her. Is it because I don't believe in prayer? No, I'm at this prayer event because I care about prayer. The reason I don't pray for her is because it hurts too much. Because when I pray for her, I have to engage in all that she's going through. And that's painful. But he said, God has been speaking to me and convicting me about entering into her pain through my prayers. And he said, I've come to see that when I truly engage in prayer for her, I feel her pain. And I am willing to take on the pain and pay the price of, and the cost of her pain. And I will take that risk in order to pray for her. And he said, we often talk about praying for people. Maybe we ought to talk about praying with people. And he said, for me, this has become an act of faithfulness. To God and to her. To enter into her pain through my prayers. And you know the scripture says that faithlessness can hinder the work of God. I'm I'm amazed when I read about Jesus going back to his hometown. and, And Mark 6 tells us that there he... It says that in his hometown, he was teaching in the synagogue. People were amazed at what he was saying. And then they looked at each other and said, wait, isn't this a carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this James's brother? And it says Jesus could do very few miracles there because of their lack of faith. That just blows my mind. God can do anything he wants to do. Somehow he has wedded himself and what he does to our faith. And I think that includes our faithfulness to each other. But I also think when we talk about faithfulness and prayer, there is another step of that. That it's not just praying boldly, but it's so so being so faithful to each other that even when we don't see the results we want, we don't stop praying. And maybe one of the most profound acts of faithfulness that we can do for each other and be for each other is to pray without ceasing. 
And I don't necessarily mean praying 24 hours a day, but not giving up praying. And we pray for each other, even when results don't come. We keep praying. We're committed to, be, to prayer because we care about each other and because we want to be faithful to each other. So that even when the prayers we pray don't seem to make any difference, we don't stop praying because it's an act of faithfulness to keep going. In 1 Samuel 12, the Israelites have have decided they want a king and they've rejected God and they've rejected Samuel. And Samuel is really upset with them and he's hurt and he feels rejected himself. And they say to him, Samuel, they realize their sin and they say, Samuel, pray for us. And you expect his response to be, pray for you. Are you kidding me? I'm not praying for you. You got yourself into this mess. I'm not helping you get out of it. I mean, that would, might be our response. But instead, he says, far be it from me to sin against God by not praying for you. And whether people respond to our prayers the way we want, we keep praying. Whether we see the results we want, we keep praying. Whether we feel anything or not, we keep praying. Because it's an act of spirit-directed, spirit-led faithfulness. If any of you have been around the last few years as we have engaged in these prayer vigils, you've, you've heard me talk about the book Red Moon Rising. It had a lot to do with inspiring my mind and the minds of others about engaging in these kinds of prayer events. And it's a story that, that Pete Gregg tells about how God burdened his heart and put on his heart this whole idea about 24-7 that eventually became a whole movement of prayer, not just in England where it started, but around the world. And he tells in there, about halfway through the book, he tells about being in Spain. And um, I believe, I, I've been trying to figure out exactly how to pronounce this, but I think it's Fajaladid, Spain, is how you pronounce the name of the town. And he says he was set this event and there were thousands of young people at this event and he said they were worshiping and they were praying and it was an awesome experience. And he spoke and the next morning he went home and the next morning he came back and a, and a gentleman said to him, what's going on here? He said, there were 50 young people here all praying all night and they don't want to stop and they just keep praying. He said, I've been asking God to do this for us and now here it is, this army of prayers. And as Pete reflected on this event and what was happening, all was unfolding and seeing this just astounding things happen, he, he, he was thinking to himself, I, I've never been here before. And then he was reminded that he actually had been to this town before. Nine years earlier, as a student, hitchhiking his way home from Portugal, he stopped in the same town. And he sat on a park bench in the middle of, of, the, of the park in the center of the city. And he prayed, God, where is your army of people, Where are your people that have come to pray and to, and to rise up and to bear witness to you in Spain? We're just not seeing them. Where are they? And in the moment, watching all these young people pray, the Lord said to him, they're right here. Here they are, nine years later. And later that day, he sat down at his, at his laptop and he typed a message to the people all over the world who were part of this movement. And he was telling them this story. And he said, in the moment that God reminded him that he had been there before, 
and thinking he had never been to the city and, and then remembering he had been, it's as though God said to him, Pete, I know you don't remember most of the prayers that you pray, but I never forget one of them. And he said, I was just overwhelmed by the faithfulness of God. That even when I forget, even when I'm not doing what I ought to be doing, even when I, I sometimes give up, God is faithful. And that's why we are faithful. God is, is not just faithful. God is not, it's not just a part of his name. It's not just a characteristic of God. It is who God is. Over and over again, how do we know God? Because he keeps his word. He makes a promise and he keeps it. And he is faithful. And as Paul writes to Timothy, even if we are faithless, God is faithful. When Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. When Paul talks about this idea of of people who walk in the Spirit, who are led by the Spirit, who are filled with the Spirit, that we are faithful. It is because that's who God is. And we can only be faithful because God is faithful first. And maybe God is, is put into your mind this morning someone who, who needs a, to hear a word of truth and love. Maybe there's someone who, who needs to be encouraged by your bold prayers. Maybe there's someone who you just need to recommit yourself to pray without ceasing. And maybe there's something else. But God, who is always and eternally faithful, is calling us through the Spirit to a life of faithfulness. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. We are unworthy. We are astounded. Give us grace to be willing to risk faithfulness with each other. We pray this through the Spirit of Christ. Amen. As we've been doing the last, uh, well, throughout this series, there are ways for you to respond. Again, there are cards in the pew, outside, inside rows. Make sure everybody in the row gets one. And today... Write down whatever God may be saying to you. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a word of conviction. Somebody's name. Whatever it may be. Write it down. Keep it in front of you this week. 
And let's commit again to spend five minutes a day praying about faithfulness. Asking God to help us. Asking God to direct us into ways that we can be faithful to His Spirit. And if you'd like to pray with someone, you'd like to talk with someone this morning, the elders will be available down below in the, in the prayer room to pray with you and to hear, listen to you and to help us understand more and more what it means to be faithful. Join us as we sing together. We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road, and those who've gone before us line the way, cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary, their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace. By so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly After all our hopes and dreams have come and gone, and our children sift through all we've left behind, may the clues they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that leads them to the road. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ 
and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.